what's up everyone and welcome back to the Just an Insight podcast after the two weeks absence. We're back, hope you haven't missed us too much. Uh, just in case you have forgotten who I am, my name is Tim Birkbeck. I am a writer, I am a lover of films, music and wrestling, but most importantly of all, I am your body and vehicle through this podcast. Um, just a quick little heads up, voice is a little bit shocked because I've done band practice for the first time in about three weeks So, and I went pretty hard so I'm a little bit gravelly but um last time i left you with uh, a little chat that i had with tank from the horror punk band energy um in that time i've been in three different countries i've seen numerous awesome bands uh recorded a couple of episodes for uh upcoming episodes of this show uh and then came crashing back down to reality unfortunately but hey that's just life but Honestly, I had the best time while I was away. Um, I cannot thank my friends from Bristol enough for, for taking me with them on the, the little jaunt around uh, mainland Europe and kind of culminating in Fluff Festival, which was just phenomenal. Like, everyone I've spoken to since I've got back, I've just said, like, what an awesome uh, fest it is. And I, I'm going to I'll give a brief kind of overview because there was just too much to talk about to confine into to one intro but highlights for me were um were suffer and heather in her arms um obviously city of caterpillar were another one up there as were sect but uh suffer and heaven in her arms just blew me away they were just awesome um spent way too much money on merch uh ended up coming away with like 10 records four new t-shirts uh a new tote bag uh and a few other bits i did not buy a straight edge clock though despite my friends trying to peer pressure me into it um had the best vegan food it was just yeah really awesome food uh saw some crust punks dancing around in the mud which was yeah crust punks being crusty um i saw my good friend heinzel who i haven't seen in almost like four years which was cool it was nice to catch up with him uh so yeah all in all pretty awesome weekend and i'm most definitely going to be going back to fluff next year even though I know they haven't announced any bands yet, but yeah, I think after the experience of that, like I'd be an idiot not to go back. To be totally honest, um, as I mentioned, managed to grab a couple of bands that played Fluff to do future episodes of this show. Um, they're slightly shorter than the normal interviews that we do because um, I didn't really want to take up too much of the time, and there was a lot kind of going on over the whole weekend. So, and obviously there's bands that I wanted to see, so I just grabbed a couple as quick as I could. So, yeah, they'll be coming out in the next couple of weeks or so. Um, but, yeah, as I said, apart from that, kind of came crashing back down to reality with a bump. Uh, but my friend from Wales did come down uh, this weekend, so it was really cool to, to hang out with her. Show around my lovely city that is Portsmouth. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, just getting back into the groove of work, really. Um but yeah, that's all I've got to got to say, really. Um, so that brings us nicely on to, to this week's episode. Um, and it's a pretty good one, if I do say so myself. I had the opportunity to uh, speak to Silverstein frontman uh, Shane Tolls about uh, the band's latest album, uh, about how Shane had to go through a pr- pretty dark time to kind of get the, quote-unquote, the inspiration for this record. Um, but as we go into in the chat, it's kind of... For him, he says maybe some of the best stuff that they've done, and listen to it. It's it's kind of for me back to back to form with Silverstein. They were a band that 
I got into in college. Uh, I wouldn't say I was a massive fan, but I kind of followed their stuff. Uh, but I did drop off them a little bit. But this new re- record, I really enjoy it. It's um, it's got some re- really good tunes on it. So yeah, if you get a chance, go go check it out. But uh, yeah, also kind of spoke to to Shane about the the band's longevity, um, how they kind of didn't kind of follow any any fads. They stuck to what they believed in, and that's kind of why they're still hanging around. They were they were out on Warp Tour at the moment, and absolutely killing it over there. So yeah, they're still going strong after all these years um and it was just yeah as i said it was the band that i was kind of listened to in the in my college years so it was a real honor to to speak to shane um apart from me making an absolute tit of myself right at the beginning of the conversation when i called him shane todd rather than shane told so uh straight off the bat apologize shane um but we got into it it was a really good chat so please as i said apart from the little mishap probably one of the best episodes we've had so far in, in my opinion so please sit back relax as i talk to shane told from silverstein and i'll see you on the other side So joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast uh, is vocalist of the band Silverstein, uh, Shane Todd. Shane, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me. How are you doing? It's Shane Told, actually. Oh, Told. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's that's a good start, okay. isn't it? <laughs> uh, you, you know, that's something that I get a lot. My last name is uh, is pretty uncommon, actually very uncommon. So uh, I get I get Shane Todd a lot. I guess sometimes I get Sean Todd. That's that's the worst. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's cold. But no, but but apart from me getting your name wrong, how are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Just just finished my day job, so get get back and just chill out, relax, and and get to get to talk to you. So that's that's a nice change of pace. There um, you go. I'm glad I'm your exciting <laughs> after work thing. That's uh, that's great. Um, so if we start off with where, where you guys are at the moment, obviously you're you're kind of in the mix of, of Warp Tour. So h- yeah. how many dates have you done so far? Um, not that many, but it feels like a million. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, yeah, man, it's like, to say it's hot out here is like the biggest fucking understatement ever. Like, yeah. It's so brutal. And they started the tour off, um, well, the first two shows were fine. They were Seattle and Portland, which are kind of, you know, mellow weather. Then they, uh, then they put us right into phoenix las vegas where it's a super dry heat yeah it's crazy like 115 degrees fahrenheit which is like you know 45 celsius and then next thing you know we're in florida where it's like it's only i don't know 38 degrees celsius but then it's like so humid Mm. so it's it's been it's been brutal but we're in um we're in um north carolina right now uh, on an off day we play north carolina warp tour tomorrow and um, hopefully, as we go north, it gets a little bit cooler. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how many times have you guys played Warp Tour? Uh, this is our seventh time doing uh, doing the tour. Yeah. So we're kind of the veterans. So how have you, how have you found it kind of going through the different years? Because obviously, audiences change and things like that. But as you say, you're kind of the veterans, the mainstayers. So how does the experience change each time? 
surprisingly, the layout, the venues, the people running Warp Tour, uh, like you know, every everyone from the the people like the production managers and and uh, and tour managers and everything, right down to the people setting the thing up. Yeah, they're pretty much the same people, all the same people since we did our first Warp Tour in two thousand four. Okay, which is crazy. You know, these people like. They do warp tour every year, like every summer. That's what they do. It's like a part of their, you know, part of their life. Um, so that part's really remained consistent, remarkably consistent. Um, but the music is the biggest change. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that that's, you know, warp tour started out. Uh, you know, I went to my first one in 1997, which is 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it was mostly punk rock bands, and. Uh, they had some other stuff like they had some a little bit of hip-hop and they had you know some some things of that nature but for the most part it was punk mm. and you know you wouldn't have like metal bands like metal bands were definitely not a part of warp tour <laughs> yeah. now it's a huge part of warp tour and i think it speaks to you know them um them being smart and, and being able to evolve with the ever constantly changing scene uh so so um you know, I don't know, but we, we've seen all the different trends, but it just blows my mind when I walk into the office, like, and it's the same people yeah. that were there 13 years ago when we, when we did it our first time. And this time around, what's, what's been the highlight so far? Uh, you know, for, for us, it really is just a hanging out. Man. Yeah. Like, the shows are great, of course. You know, people come out in droves, you play to the sea of kids, and everyone's excited, and that, that of course, is great, but... You know, that's only 25, 30 minutes of the day. And then the other, whatever it is, hours and hours and hours, uh, we spend sitting behind our trailer, popping up our tent, getting out the lawn chairs, uh, grilling some burgers and dogs on the barbecue <laughs> yeah. and drinking a shitload of beer. And for us, that's uh, that's a great way to pass the time with, with some of our friends that are out here. Um, and we have a lot of friends uh, on Warped Tour. Mm. And... Obviously, something I want to speak about is obviously the the new record that's that's coming out. Um, is this the eighth record or ninth? I can't I can't, I can't remember my figures now. Uh, this we we we've been calling it LP eight. Yeah. Uh, however, we did a record called Short Songs, which is which we don't count, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah. so I guess if you want to count that one as a as a record, then it's then it's number nine. Cool. Uh, but but uh, it, this we've been calling it LPA, yeah. So obviously it's called Dead Reflections, and I think from kind of looking back on your guys' history, I think it's quite a, an apt name in a way. That in a way that the records you do are quite um, conceptual, and they kind of speak of the time that Silverstein is at. Is that the kind right. of the way that you wanted this record to be put out? Uh, yeah, man. I, I would say. I would say absolutely. I mean, I mean, all of our records uh, are, you know, different, personal. They have a different theme, um, you know. And, and this one is no exception. Um, I think, you know, you're starting with the title, and the title was actually not an easy. Uh, it didn't come that easy this time around. Okay. Actually, um, we. I wanted to call the record uh, "Don't Die Like Me." Okay. And um, and basically the the reason I wanted to call it that that, that that's that, that chorus in the uh, in the first track, but um, the, the reason I wanted to call it that was 
because I went through a real dark time. I went through a really hard year, mm. uh, the hardest year of my of my life, hands down. And um, I got to a point where I was so, uh, I guess, depressed and upset, and just like I just sort of stopped caring what, about what hap- was going to happen to me. Yeah. And and when you go through that, you know, um, feeling, and I, I don't know if you ever have felt that way or listeners have. Um, when you, it's, it's kind of scary, man, because mm. you, you can still remember what it was like to be okay. You can still remember what it was like when you were, you know, happy. But when you just really just look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I don't care if I live or die, you know, that's so that's sort of, I guess, where the dead reflection um, title comes from. But um, but I wanted to call it Don't Die Like Me, and, and it was uh, – directly based of, a, of an article I wrote um, about the footballer George Best. Okay. Um, I'm sure you may you know your English. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I know who George Best is. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, you know, a lot of, most Americans have no fucking idea. Yeah. So, um, so George Best, you know, uh, I'm sure you'll listen to all too, but he was, you know, a footballer from, from Manchester United, and he was kind of the first celebrity, uh, you know, athlete that yeah. was, you know, womanizing and drinking and partying. And, you know, and, and the story is that right on his deathbed, he called the press in and, you know, said to the press, yes, yeah, know, he don't did. die like me. And um, I, I felt that happening to me. I, I felt that relatable story mm. to where I just was like, whatever, I'll just do, you know. And I knew ultimately I was going to regret it. Um, and I started reading about that. I started writing lyrics. I, and, and it was funny because the writing the lyrics about this potentially happening to me, I think made it not happen to me. Yeah. And it was, I was able to pull it, pull out of that depression and that funk. And I was able to, uh, you know, get things back. But, but a big part of it was writing the record mm. because I knew I had to, I, I didn't want to let the other guys in my band down. You know, that was the only thing in my life I still had was Silverstein. That's how I felt. I felt like it was all there was. So, um, so that's, that's, uh, basically was the theme of this record. It's, it's definitely the darkest, most personal, uh, and the hardest record we've written, like hardest record to write that we, that we've ever written. But so in hindsight, obviously, as you mentioned, obviously going through quite a, a dark time now that it's kind of finished, put to bed and is ready to be released. Is it quite cathartic right. now that that's, it's almost off your chest to, to an extent? Yeah, it, it is, and and you know it's funny because I we, we make we made the record and mixing the record was to to put it very bluntly was a fucking pain in the ass. Man. <laughs> yeah. Like we mixed, we, I don't even know how many mix revisions we did of every song, but like it was crazy, man. Like I'm talking about dozens and dozens and dozens of mixes. Yeah. Going back and forth. The record was supposed to be mixed in 10 days. Oh God. And it took, it took over a month. Oh wow. And yeah, the record kept getting pushed back because of the mixing. So I had heard the record so many times. Yeah. Like way more than anything we'd ever recorded. Usually, you know, okay, you record it, couple mix revisions. Okay. The record's back. The record's done. All right. It's done. I'll listen to it. Okay. Now I probably won't listen to it for a long time, if ever. But you know what I mean. But this record, we I was just heard it so much 
that by the time it was done and mastered, I couldn't even be bothered to listen to the master. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm already sick of this record. And, you know, so after a little while, you know, um, it had, you know, it had been out and some of my friends wanted to hear it. So I was playing it for, for my friends. And I was kind of like, I kind of forgot how, uh, how heavy some of the lyrics were, Yeah, you know? And, and, and I, I just hadn't, you know, not only like like reading them, but hearing my them come out of my own mouth, you know, with the expression and remembering what I felt when I when I had written them. Mm. So you know that that part of it was like very, uh, it, it almost was a little scary. Yeah, you know, re- reflecting back on on how I what how I felt um, because now, like for the first time in my life, I think to be completely honest, I think I am happy. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I really had to go through hell to get here. Uh, I had to. And bef- because before all of this, I thought I was happy, but I wasn't. And, yeah. and I really needed to have this darkness in my life. And so, you know, what you say about this record being some you know, therapeutic or something for me, it, absolutely, that, that's, that's for sure correct. And mentioning the kind of the amount of mixes and stuff that it went through, do you think that maybe something in your subconscious because you put such a a personal element into it what that was why you kept kind of visiting it to to make it almost not perfect but to make it the best that you could be because you put so much heart into it yeah i i i don't really think so it, it, <laughs> you know, basically it was just it was just that that this record was such a uh, I'm trying to think of, of the, the wording. It was, it was. We we wanted to make this record, and we knew this record was special. We knew the songs were special, and we 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 worked so hard on them, and we worked so hard on every little detail um, of the writing process, and then of the tracking process. It was like when it came to the mixing, we were like, no, it has to be, it has to be perfect. Like mm. we can't, we it would be it would be a shame if we were like, oh yeah, well that one flam hit there like is a little it doesn't have the right delay on it but whatever because this is this is the 27th change we made <laughs> yeah. it's like no no that that flam hit needs to have the right delay on it you know like tiny things like that which i think um in the past we just sort of would have been like yeah sure this is it is what it is it's fine but for some reason i don't know that this record we started getting we were very um perfectionistic right away when mm. we were writing the songs and then when it came down to time to mix the record i think that that was just just our mentality yeah um you know and i don't think it had anything to do with the subject matter of the record it was just it was just the technical side of it being mm. like yo like this record need this record's killer and it <laughs> needs to sound killer and that's that that was the approach well i think obviously i want to kind of talk about your your longevity but i think this flows in nicely because obviously from listening to the new record, obviously it sounds like a Silverstein record, but as you mentioned, there's kind of different elements to it. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it just it kind of sounds like you've t- you've gone to it with a fresh approach. So even though you're kind of 17 years into being the band, do you think that this is kind of a jump-off point to the next phase of what Silverstein has to offer? Yeah, it could be. I mean, we, we've had we had one. You know, a lot of people always say to us, oh, you know, you guys haven't had, had, you know, very many, many member changes, you know? Yeah. And it's true. There's only been, there's only been seven people in this band ever. 
So, um, you know, uh, and, and there's only been six people in this band uh, since, you know, we've started making albums. Yeah. So the one member change we had, uh, which was right before the Sound of the Wind Shifts, we brought Paul Mark into the band. And when he came into the band, to me, uh, that was almost like album number one again. Yeah. That's how I felt. I felt like like he brought so much um, energy, uh, creativity, talent, uh, just into our band that when we started working with him and writing with him, um, you know, it, it felt brand new. Yeah. And a lot of people say that's their favorite record of ours. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite. And I think that there was something magical about when he came in and he, he joined me and Josh and the guys and we started writing songs. And I think that I Am Alive and Everything I Touched, the last record was an extension of that. And now this one, I think we finally clicked um, as a unit um, on how we work, how we write, um, how we communicate. Uh, and I think that those things in conjunction with the producer we worked with, who, who, uh, whose name is Derek Hoffman, he's super hands-on and, like, like intense. Uh, so, you know, I think that that mix of everything uh, made, made this record uh, just different, special, and I think, yeah, I think there's something about the record that it still sounds like Silverstein, and, and for better or for worse, whenever I sing on something, it's going to sound like Silverstein. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, but but I think there is something I can't describe what it is that puts this record in sort of a different dimension. I, I and I can't I can't put my finger on what it is. But mm. um, but a lot of people have been saying that about it. And as I mentioned, obviously you guys have been a band since the year two thousand. Obviously, as I said right, LP number eight. Like for for you guys and and for you personally, Shane, what's what do you think like the biggest kind of change like personally and musically has been for the band well i mean when you're talking about eight records like when we when we did the first record we were kids and yeah i don't know i never i never made a full-length record before you mm. know I, i've been in bands that had done some demos and and you know we oh we took a collection of songs and turned it into a full length but you know to, to just show up and be like, all right, here we go. We're recording a full length. You know, we didn't know what we were doing at all. I, we didn't know how the music industry worked um, at all. We had no idea. We were just basically the greenest five kids from Canada, like, ever. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it was not only uh, – it was not only our music we didn't know what we were doing in the music industry. I think as people – uh, we didn't really know what we were doing either. Yeah. You know, and when you're, I mean, I was the oldest, when we made that record, uh, the first record, I was the oldest and I was 20, 21. Uh, and, you know, Billy is three years younger than me. So Billy was like 18, not even, actually, no, because his birthday's later than he was probably 17. Yeah. You know, so we were kids and, and I think like we've really grown up together. Um, and we've, as we've gone and as we've grown up, we've found our own personalities. We've, we've our own interests, uh, you know, the things that we like to do and they're, and they're all different as like five individuals should be. <laughs> yeah. But the one common thing we have is music and, 
and our love for for music and for traveling and seeing the world um and, and you know those things are what what has always been kind of a common a common thing so i think with each record we've tried to take a very uh natural progression between each one yeah i think like we've, we've never forced it and i've seen bands force it because you have to understand tim like over how many, many years it's been 14 years uh since our, our first record came out you know the trends come and go yeah and the bands that latch onto those trends like whether it's a like for a while everyone was playing dance beats and then a few years ago remember it was like dubstep people were putting like dubstep rhythms in their their breakdowns and stuff it's like that's so lame now <laughs> yeah. you know like they should have just stuck to what made their band their band and, and and you know and there's always you know you always look at that stuff you'll go back and go huh that was a weird record you know yeah like kiss when kiss made the disco uh the disco album you know <laughs> oh, no, yeah. like right? i mean you know it's like it's like that it was like what the hell what, what you know and they, they don't need they hate it they, they think it's ridiculous yeah. that they did that you know so it's it's uh i think we've just really tried to try to do things naturally and i think that that's helped us not alienate our fan base mm. i think but i think we're still able to progress and if you listen to to dead reflection and then you'll go back and listen to what broke easily fixed they don't sound the same yeah like they don't sound the same i mean they just don't so um you know obviously it took eight records and a bunch of steps along the way but i think as you go through our records they kind of make sense and they do sort of sound the same from one to the next but then when you jump ahead it's like oh wow yeah so um so you know i think that that's i think that's fine and I think you've touched upon it nicely there, but because for for yourselves, obviously being a band as long as you have been, like I know it's a completely different comparison, but I always kind of lump yourselves and w- with a band like Every Time I Die because the fact that mm-hmm. you, kind of, you, as you kind of said, you've kind of st- stuck to your guns, you've stuck true to yourself without kind of, as you say, jumping on trends. And, and here you are 17 years later, still going strong, still playing Warp Tour. So do you think that that kind of element of keeping the Silverstein identity has kept has, has enabled you to to be a band for 17 years and not not get bored of it basically? I think so. I mean, I mean, the every time I die comparison is kind of interesting. I mean, we came up around the same time as those guys. They're a little bit older than us, but uh, you know, we're actually from very very close uh, proximity geographically. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo, Buffalo, New York is only like an hour from where we started the band. Oh, okay. So, um, and, and every time I die, I used to come up when they were, you know, just signed or not even, not even a signed band. And they'd come up and do local shows in the, the suburbs with us in Canada. So we, we come from the same, we sort of come from the same scene yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. And we come from the same time. And I think that their understanding of, of, their self-awareness is maybe similar to ours. Yeah. You know, they've carved out a great uh, audience, a great fan base. Um, you know, for us to be compared with, with them and their fans and, and them as a band that you compared is, is like, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Because um, I have a lot of respect, so much respect for every time I die. But, um, you know, I think they've done a great job of, of progressing naturally from album to album. 
and uh, still maintaining their sound. I think I, I really do. So, yeah, man, I think well, that's all you can do is, is go through and try to try to progress um, in a way that you're happy with, where you feel like you're making strides, you know, of new music and, and doing things that are keeping it fresh and exciting for you mm. and not boring. And at the same time, not making music that's going to be like your fans are just going to go like, what? um, some bands can do it and keep their fan base but sadly when a band really really does this out of left field thing uh, it doesn't work out very well obviously kind of being like the veterans of, of Warp Tour at the moment but obviously every year there's kind of new bands coming through and and I think for, for yourselves obviously you, you, you play a lot of sort of headline tours now so how do you find kind of fitting in with uh, the new wave of, of bands that are kind of in a similar genre to yourself um, and how do you kind of, do, do you still find that you need to kind of win over audiences to an extent? I mean, winning over an audience, I think that's just the experience we have. You know, um, we're always going to be ourselves. You know, I'm always going to get up there. I'm going to be me. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to try to appeal to some younger fan base or, or, or whatever. I'm just going to be me. And hopefully people like our music enough and it has enough elements of of other things that they like it. You know, because uh, that's the thing about about our band is we're very diverse. Um, you know, we have, we have songs that are very heavy and aggressive, and then we have songs that don't have any screaming in them and are slower or, or poppier. You know, we have this diversity, which is a blessing and a curse because, you know, we can, we can sometimes get by on, on just about any tour, Yeah. but we're always going to be the odd man. Out <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to be the heavy, we're the, always the heavy band on the, the pop punk tour, and the soft band on the metalcore tour, yeah. you know? So that's just the way it is. But in terms of fitting in with the younger younger generation, um, I don't know if we do. I don't, I don't really, I don't think I really care if we do. Yeah. Um, we're not trying to modernize our sound or, or anything. We're not trying to, we're not looking at like some of these young hot bands, like, and I'm not, I'm not shit talking them. I like really like them. Like I Prevail is a band like blowing up. Like they've got this model, like kids are coming out on Warped Tour in droves to see that band. And it's great and great for them, but we're not going to look at that the same way we don't follow trends in our music. 
like that, we're not going to start following trends in, in, in anything we do in terms of a stage show. Either. Yeah. We're going to do what we do. Um, they're going to do what they do. And, you know, um, things will sometimes they align, sometimes they don't. But, you know, for the most part, I think we're honest. We're no bullshit. People see through the bullshit. And, yeah. And they know we're a real band and we've done it a long time. And for us, that's that's fine. And, and we are trying to we aren't trying to appeal to everybody and, and, um, for us, it's, it's fine just to, uh, you know, just, just to get out there and have a good time. Yeah. Um, I I, I do want to kind of backtrack a little bit because I think I was trying to rack my brain about this when I, when this was organized, but I was trying to think of the first time that I heard you guys. And I think I correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it might have been on like a mixed Victory Records CD that came free with a magazine over here in the UK. I think that was a f- possible. Yeah. So obviously you mentioned when that first record w- kind of came out, you were very green and everything. But I think the instant appeal of you guys f- for so- for someone like me as well was kind of as soon as they heard it, just clicked. So for you guys being so young and all of a sudden having this almost automatic fan base. Was was that quite daunting, like in the early stages? Uh, it was because I, I'm I'm not an overly like, or I should say I wasn't like an overly confident kid. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have like a, a lot of. Uh, we I didn't get up there, and and we were about to play a show, and I looked at the guys in my band, I looked at myself, and and, and I never said we're awesome. We're a great band. <laughs> yeah. We're the best band. We like of anyone here. We're gonna blow this show out of the water. Uh, you know what I mean? I, 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 we never. I can pretty much speak for all of us when that's how we felt. We felt a little bit like frauds. Uh, you know, we didn't have. We weren't the fastest players. We weren't the tightest. My singing was pretty atrocious at the beginning. Um, you know, and and. We didn't feel like we were particularly cool. We were from Canada. We, you know, we didn't have this great fashion. You know, we were just basically five guys from Canada, and we were having a good time. Um, but we, but there was a lot of times when we get thrown into these situations and these shows where we, I think we didn't have a lot of confidence mm. in ourselves. So when things started blowing up, um, like, you know, people would email me, like about their lyric about my lyrics and stuff and how I helped them through hard times. It was like, I was like, I don't know, man. I'm just like, I was just writing down my thoughts. Like, you know, I, I don't think I'm special. Yeah. You know? Uh, but thank you. And then I remember the first time somebody got a Silverstein, uh, tattoo, they got the, uh, robot from the, when Brokes easily fixed okay. on their arm or on their arms. First time I ever saw it. This is like a couple months after our first record came out. I saw that. I, was like we just ruined this guy's life like we just ruined this guy's life this guy has our stupid band tattooed on on his arm forever because we didn't realize we didn't realize that like what we were doing was special yeah we we were just like i don't know this we'll probably put out a record tour a little bit see the world well not even the world we'll see the united states and then, you know, maybe put out a second record and then break up because that's what every hardcore band did back then. Yeah. Hardcore bands would put out two records and break up. So I think once, you know, you're talking about the UK 
and we're getting on these compilations and we're getting some heat around the world, people hearing about us. I mean, <laughs> like the first time we, we ever, we actually went to Australia before we went to the UK. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of, you know, odd because, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, the UK is pretty much when, when an American band or Canadian band gets a little bit of success, the first place that goes to the UK yeah, of it's course. relatively close and, you know, uh, so we went to Australia first and I remember getting on that plane and they paid for our flights and I was just like, I'm just getting a free trip to Australia. <laughs> I didn't care. Didn't, it was like, probably no one's even gonna know who we are. Like we felt like we were pulling like the wool over everybody's eyes. Like, Oh my God, we get a free trip to Australia. This is amazing. We didn't think people actually were gonna we were gonna get there and people actually care about our music. Yeah, you know. And then we did. We we got there and they did. And the shows were all sold out and everything. It was like we were just we couldn't believe it. You know, we just couldn't believe it. And that and that's how that the you know things translated all over the world. And it took me personally like I think years to finally accept that my band was popular <laughs> and and we were like not that bad a band. We we were okay. And we had some songs, and people legitimately liked our band. They weren't just pretending. So, you know, I think once we realized that, we were like, okay, well, how can we get better? Yeah. How can we play better? How can we sing better? How can we write better? And then from that, you know, and, and I think with every record, we've ste- steadily improved, you know, minus maybe Arrivals and Departure. So, <laughs> you know, we, uh, we, we, I don't know. It, it's, it's really been this slow up, up, uh, hill climb we've done uh, musically and personally, mm. you know. And obviously, back in the kind of early two thousands, like the scene that you were kind of part of, a lot of the bands now were kind of obviously sort of faded away. But there was a kind of a a period, well, especially over here in the UK, sort of around maybe like two thousand nine sort of thing, where all those kind of early Victory Records bands just kind of seemed to drop off a little bit. So from your perspective, being part of that kind of wave, was that how it felt? Like that all of a sudden there was just a a disinterest in some of the bands and that's what led to a lot of them breaking up. Obviously, thankfully, you guys are still going strong, but obviously many of the bands that were in that kind of clique, as you said, did two albums, then split up. Yeah. Uh, That's it. It's hard for me to really say. I mean, <laughs> we kind of had our kept our head down yeah. and kept working, and we we never really paid attention um, to you know what other bands were doing um, like that, and, and if they were successful or not successful or why. We just knew that we were coming back to you know the places we'd been before, and every time we came back, there was more people. Yeah. You know, and every record we did, it seemed like the press liked it more, and our fans liked it like the more. So we were always just feeling like this upward trajectory, um, despite a lot, you know, the music industry kind of crumbling, and a lot of people, you know, saying that these these bands like with screamo bands or whatever people wanted to lump us category, people wanted to lump us into, would say, oh, that you know that genre is dead, and no one cares about that genre anymore. And we're like, well, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. Like, you know, we just played Cologne, Germany. And, like, <laughs> yeah. we just played to 3,000 people and it was insane. We just played in Southern California and we did two, 
you know, two sold out nights. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I don't know what, like, what it was. If, if it was just our band, I mean, not alienating our fan base, not trying to change. Yeah. You know, I forget, was it Census Fail? They, like, did a record that didn't have screaming on it. I yeah, think. yeah. At one point, you know, like, and, like, some bands were just doing, like, getting kind of weird. Like, uh, you know, and I'm not, like, these bands aren't exactly aligned with us, but, like, I remember, like, the starting line, you know, they kind of made, like, a sort of a, kind of a different record. Like, it was kind of mature, you know, and, mm. and you know, bands kept kind of trying to, trying to change. And I think it was more for the sake of changing or because they kept hearing people say that this music was dead. So then they changed. And then it was like, well, nobody wants to hear that kind of a band play this kind of play a different kind of music. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. And it's, it's hard to comment on it really for everybody else. But for us, we just kept our, our head down and kept doing our best and, and improving. Mm. And, you know, another thing is like, we've always been very close with our fans too. Yeah. And like, I'm, we're not, we're not mysterious kind of people. Kind of people. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, 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 after the show, we come out to the merch and we say hello. Um, you know, and, and, you know, if somebody wants to email me, my email address is Shane at Silverstein music.com. Like, you, you know, that stuff is public. And, yeah. And for, I know now with, with social media and everything, it's kind of all public. Like you can pretty much DM anybody, but like, we've always gotten back to our fans and we've always, you know, tried to be there, uh, for them. And I think that, uh, the mutual respect we have, uh, with them has kept them coming back and has kept them, uh, supporting us. Um, you know, so I think it's a big, I think it's a big thing. And obviously you mentioned sort of that you guys have constantly kind of been heads down working hard and something along with, records something that you do constantly is obviously touring and you've kind of toured with a with a who's who of people in sort of rock metal alternative music whatever you want to call it so have there any have there been any tours in the whole 17 years of the band that you particularly stand out in the memory that you think jesus christ that was a killer tour uh yeah we don't fit the bill at all (laughs) (laughs) well no just like sorry the phone the phone was kind of breaking up. I, I kind of missed most of what you said. Well, just have there been any tours in the period of of Silverstein that you like really stick out in the memory for, for you particularly? Oh, in a good in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry, I thought you said don't fit in at no. all. And yes, there has been some of those too. We toured with Avril Lavigne in Japan once. Oh my god! Really? Yeah. That... We played at the Tokyo Dome. No way! That's incredible. For... 40,000 people there. We put, we for Avril people were so... They didn't know what to think of our band. <laughs> like, we were screaming. We, so, okay, here's... This is kind of a funny story. I'll tell you, you know. Uh, so we, we, we had the same manager or the same management company as Avril Lavigne. Hmm. So we had this opportunity and we said, oh my God, that is so weird. We have to do it. <laughs> yeah. So we went to Japan. It was a long tour. It was like three weeks, two, two oh, and a half, wow. three weeks. It was like a long tour for Japan. We played all, all these places, and I remember the first show, uh, we were like, okay, let's play like some of the maybe poppier songs, because we're opening for Avril Lavigne, you know? Yeah. And um, so we did, 
and the show was fine. Um, they were a little bit weirded out. And then I think like two or three shows in, we're like, you know what? We're like getting a little bored. We're like, let's, let's just play like a normal kind of set. So I just came out of the gate and, and I don't remember what song it was. One of our have maybe vices or something like a heavier song. And, um, and they were just, it was so much better. <laughs> yeah. and they were at the first song. They were like, what? Why is he screaming? Like you have to understand these are like little Japanese girls that have probably never heard screaming in a band before. Yeah. Like ever in music. So I would come out and then it was funny because by the end of the set, I would scream and they would cheer. That's awesome. Every time I would scream, they would cheer. They thought it was the coolest thing. So the tour was actually really fun, but like so, so strange. <laughs> um, you know, but, but in terms of t- tours that, that were, that, you know, I think really helped us out. I think we did a tour um, with Simple Plan in uh 2006 yeah. and we opened for simple planet and they're a bit of a different band than we are too but i i swear man like for even to this day when we're in it was in mainland europe it wasn't in, in the uk uh, to this day people still come up to me and, and talk about that tour and say that was the first time i saw your band oh, okay that's pretty cool band was with that tour so i think that that was very helpful and you know another funny thing that I never really thought about until right now is, you know, we have a lot more success in mainland Europe than we do in the UK. And I, I never really knew why, mm. but maybe that's part of it because we didn't do the UK dates on that simple plan tour. We just uh, did the okay. mainland dates. So I do wonder if, if like, you know, that was the kind of tour that was going to get us in front of people that, you know, that are that found out about our band and latched onto us and yeah. are still, you know, still coming out. So, you know, those are a couple of them. Um, and I mean, just so many other ones over the years, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just so like, I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> the, the, the simple plan tour, I think was, was pretty instrumental in, uh, for our success that we've had uh, in, in Europe. That's cool. Um, and obviously you're coming back to, to the UK at the, at the kind of the end of this year. Um, are there any places that you're particularly looking forward to, to coming back to? You know, it's it's weird, man. We we did the UK for the first time. Uh, I remember it was with Under Oath. It was their first time too. Yeah. And uh, it was Under Oath, and it was this band called The Hurt Process, actually, a victory band that was on oh, was from from, from uh, England. Yeah, I think I've went to that tour. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. was the very first time ever in um, in the in the UK. So um, you know, we we've, we've come back, and um, and you know. At first, we really, you know, we're trying to make it make it work and, and get bigger and bigger in the UK. And for some reason, I don't know what it was, but we just never had a, a, a crazy amount of success. We were doing so much better everywhere else. And I remember we played a download festival one time, one year. I think it was, geez, I can't remember what year it was. I want to say it was like 2010. Yeah. So we'd been coming to the UK for, for five years, and we'd done okay. And we played, <laughs> we played like the headline show like we were the last band but like the tent stage okay i think we were maybe we were or maybe we were right before like frank turner or something i can't remember we had a good billing though and they paid us a lot of money to play and um you know i don't know if you've been to download festival i'm sure you have yeah um so the weather was just (laughs) yeah yeah. and we showed up we had to fly in from some other festival in europe so we didn't have like a bus or anything. So we flew in from to the airport, got picked up in a splitter van, 
um, and we got taken there, and and we said, okay, we're here, and it was pouring rain, and they said, oh, um, and it was cold too, and they said, sorry, we you don't have a dressing room. Oh no way! And and we go, well, we don't have anywhere to go, and they wouldn't let us uh, bring our bring the van, like the rental van, into like into the park. It had to go like it had to like stay outside and all our gear got like put on a forklift. So we could either stay outside the park sitting in the van until we played and then they or they were like, Oh no, well you you know, you can just sit like under catering. So I remember we sat under catering, you know, it was outside, but it was under like it was covered. Yeah. I sat beside D. Snyder and his family, and they were having an argument. <laughs> so random from Twisted Sister. So random. But we were so. By the time we went on stage, we were so cold, wet, miserable. They also didn't have anything vegetarian at the catering. Oh no! What the fuck is that? They have anything vegetarian? We're like, this is England. Everything's <laughs> vegetarian. And um, we we finally played, and it was just like everybody was. It was the last day of the festival. It was wet, cold late in the day everyone's tired it was just like we were so bummed out and it wasn't a great show <laughs> and i said you know what england thank you but we're never coming back this is the last <laughs> show and i said that and we didn't we didn't come back for like more more than three years yeah and we we, we stuck to it we said you know what we're just not coming back and uh a part of me, to be honest, a part of me thought, uh, maybe uh, the, the press will cover it. And they'll, you know, because, you know, press-driven it is over there. Maybe yeah. the press will, press will talk about it, and then people will be like, oh, no, we want them to come back. But that didn't happen, and then we were just like, okay, fine, we just won't come back. And we didn't for years. Um, and sorry, to get back to your question that you asked me like seven minutes ago. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, uh, we, we missed it. Yeah. We missed it. We actually missed it. We thought we wouldn't. And then, like, I was like, oh, damn, I want my 99p Greg sandwich, like, so bad right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, Wagamama, are you kidding me? That place is amazing. You know, like, we, we did miss that, and we missed the, the people and the show and the vibe. Um, and also our tour manager, who's been working for us now for five years, he's from Brighton. Oh, okay. He travels with us all over the world, and he's from Brighton, so, you know, he likes the UK. Yeah. So, um, so we just kind of decided, okay, we'll start doing some stuff. So we did a few shows. Uh, but not very many. And then we did a little tour last year with Memphis May Fire and Devil Wars Prada. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun hanging out there. And we just said, you know what? Let's just book a little headline tour, do some small rooms, um, and have a little fun with it. And that's that's what we booked for December. And I think it's going to be just really fun. You know, it's like it's obviously a small, um, intimate shows, but we're going to play a lot of the like play play a long set. For the fans in the UK that do care about us, yeah. there are a lot of people that care about us still there, and um, and just have fun with it. So we're excited. It's it's the shows are selling really well already, and uh, and yeah, I hope you know when you ask me where I'm most excited to go, I think like I think all of them. I yeah, think all of them are going to be great. Cool. And the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about briefly is obviously um, you've done the documentary for for the new album, but you kind of I think something that. Uh, I find quite unique with Silverstein is that you kind of do document everything you do. So for for yourselves, is that just a, a kind of almost like a mental note? And is it a bit strange to kind of 
look back in hindsight at the the things that you've done it, to document them down? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's overkill. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> but our drummer, our drummer Paul, uh, Mr. Manager, he's he's our manager as well. He's the most organized, meticulous, on top of things person ever, and he uh, he always want. He's always like, okay. We're doing these shows. Let's get a photographer to come out. Let's get a let's get a videographer in the studio to do you know do a studio documentary. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's you know post this photo on on social media. You know, do this. Like he he's very very on top of yeah. things. He's a real go getter and he's a, and he's he's a, a, a total overachiever. I mean he just is, and um, you know he'll do the bare minimum and it, it's like not even close to enough. So I think. Uh, I think all that shit helps, man. Like sometimes I'm like, oh my god, what's the point? Yeah. Of doing this and and this time and you know, and he's like, no, we should we need to do four music videos? It's like four music videos, but I think like he's right. I think I think putting out content and and giving your fans something to look forward to all the time and and reminders of of our band and what we're doing and I think that um our fan base is appreciative of that and uh. It is cool to look back on it, you know. I don't spend a ton of time going back and watching old studio documentary <laughs> yeah. videos of our band, but I think I'm glad they exist. Yeah, and and I think that one day I'm sure, you know, the old show your grandkids thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that that stuff will be cool to look back on one day, and and you know, I used to some stuff because uh, I was like, oh, you know. I'll be right back, and 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 also I'll, I'll have this in my memory forever. Yeah. But now I'm in my mid thirties and my memory's starting to get worse. Uh, so I'm like, okay, maybe I, maybe it is good that you know we take pictures and we have videos and stuff of all this stuff so that it's yeah. you know so it lives forever. And obviously, I know you guys are still going strong. Obviously, eighth album out, but obviously, seventeen year, years to be a band is a very long time. Um, so. In that time, is there anything that you would have changed at all, or has everything kind of, as you as you've mentioned earlier, everything's kind of gone naturally? So, are you happy with how things have gone, or is that is there anything that you would have changed? Uh, I think we I think we weren't a lot of times with some of the things we were doing. We we weren't thinking long term enough. Yeah, I think we were like you know when I brought up the thing about Australia and. and and, and being like, I can't believe it. it's a free trip to Australia. We weren't thinking about winning the fans over and coming back for a second Australian tour where we play bigger, like bigger rooms and do better. And you know, it was just kind of like, okay, we're gonna do this now. Okay, we're gonna do this now. Okay, we're gonna do this now. And um, I think that now, like the whole the whole um, idea of a career, like the word career. Yeah. If you said that to me about my career, if you said that to me in two thousand three or two thousand four. I would have laughed at you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what do you mean career? I'm not, I'm not Tom Cruise. <laughs> I, you know, I don't have a career. I'm not like famous or, you know, I, we, it was just, it was for us, it was very much like, we're going to just do this band for a little while and then, and then it's going to, you know, uh, uh, fade away and, and that'll be fine. And this will be just a little fun thing I did when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. And here I am 30, 36 years old. Uh, and well, there's no slowing down, you know, like, Last year was the best year Silverstein's ever had. Yeah. So you know it, it's crazy to think that. So I think when I look back at that, I, I if I knew I would be here 
here still doing the same thing, maybe we would have taken some things a little more seriously. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, of course, like, you know, I think a big part of life and, and learning and everything is, is regret. And that's okay. You know, it's okay to go back and say, ah, I should have done this. I should have done that. Uh, but for the most part, we don't have any major regrets regrets. And I think musically, musically, we don't really either. I think we stand pretty, pretty firmly behind everything we've put out. Uh, just about every song, um, you know, other than maybe a couple of the tracks on Arrivals and Departures, that record is, is, it actually just turned 10, uh, two days, two days ago, 10 years ago, 10 years old, two days ago. So I've been thinking a lot about that record and, and there's definitely some regrets on that one. (laughs) Um, but, but I think for the most part, musically, we, we do stand very, very firmly behind, uh behind our music you know even after all these years cool and and how i like to to run these things off is um kind of ask you about your favorite song but put a a bit of a different spin on it so rather than it just being the favorite song that you've ever written what what is the favorite song that you enjoy playing live um i like a favorite silverstein song to play live yeah And, and what and why um Jeez, it's tough, man. I think right now, right now at the moment, uh, my favorite song to play live is Vices. Okay. From Shipwreck in the Sand. And I've always liked that song. I like the way it starts with the drums, like big drums, and it has this kind of like little break with this cool guitar riff. And, you know, and, and then there's this midsection where we kind of stop and it's just a kick drum. And you know we get the we get the kids clapping. Yeah. And on Warp Tour, my friend Caleb from Bear Tooth is coming out and doing that with us oh, every awesome. day, pretty much. And uh, you know, Silver Tooth is what we call it. <laughs> uh, nice. Bear Tooth are our Bear Tooth are our, our best friends in the world. So Caleb's coming out and doing that song just about every day. Uh, and um, I mean, we're just having a blast uh, uh, with that. So. That's one of my favorites, and, and when we get to do it with a guest, a special guest, I think I think it makes it even more fun. Cool. Perfect. Shane, thank you very much for, for taking the time to speak to me. really appreciate yeah, sure. it. All the best, man, yeah. yeah. And hope the rest Thanks of, for having me. I hope the rest of Warped Tour goes well, and I'm sure I'll see you when you're over here in December. Yeah, see you there, man. And remember, it's T-O-L. <laughs> I will make sure that's correct. No worries. <laughs> Take it easy, Shane. Thank you very much. All the best, my friend. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Yeah, see ya. So there we have it, folks. Massive thanks again to Shane for taking the time out to have a chat with me about the band. Um, it was, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. It was, it was quite nice to go in depth and find out about the band, how they kind of like their touring sort of uh, not schedule, but the touring life started. I guess is the best way to say it. But and it's just kind of cool to to still see that they're going so strong. Um, the new album Dead Reflections is out now, uh, so you can buy that in all good record stores. Get it off Spotify, iTunes, and all that malarkey. Um, as mentioned, the band are still currently out on Walk Tour at the moment as well. So if you're lucky enough to be going to one of the dates, make sure you go check them out. Um, 
As always, you can keep up to date with the band on all various social media platforms. Uh, on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash Silverstein Music. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Silverstein. And on Instagram, if you just search Silverstein, the profile will come up. Uh, as always, you can keep up to date with this show on Twitter uh, at just underscore and underscore insight. Uh, or you can email us at just underscore and underscore insight at hotmail.co.uk. Um, I'm going to forego the, the film section of the show for this week, just as I'm recording this uh, rather late and I still need to edit bits and pieces. So um, I'm either going to just do it next week or do a bumper edition. Um, I'm, I'm undecided yet, but yeah, the film section will, will be back next week. Um, let us know what you think of the film section, whether it's, it's worthwhile me doing it. I, I enjoy doing it, but I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I do. Um, but for now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for, well, thank you for coming back to the Justin Insight podcast. Um, and I will see you very soon. Mm-hmm.